0: The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. My name is Dave Parton, uh, the pastor here uh, at, at Neighborhood Church. Um, I've had the opportunity uh, talking to the leadership and many of you guys who's helped serve at our church uh, to take a couple Sundays off. We went out to um, Utah and Arizona and Wyoming to some of the great parks out there from Grand Canyon up to Yellowstone and got to see some of God's uh, beautiful country and as we were out there I was thinking this is the same monuments that my grandparents saw it doesn't change very much from year to year and that's a beautiful thing because they're great places to visit for I know many of you have had the opportunity or even making plans to go out west at some point so uh, Rivers and I and the family we had a great time uh, no ER visits all those positive things that happen from long trips like that. Uh, The vehicle worked great, Um, but we did come back refreshed and excited about the fall and what God's doing. Uh, As many of you guys know, uh, a few weeks ago we had sports camp, and then the next day we left for this trip. And so if you've been visiting our church the last couple weeks good to meet you. I'm Dave. I'm glad glad, glad to be here. Glad you came. All right. So I look forward to hanging out some, some more with you guys. So this week, um, even preparing for this week, I spoke to my friend Jay Sloan, who's a church planter down in Spring Hill, and asked him if he would if you had preached this Sunday so that I could stay on vacation and not write a sermon while I was on vacation, he uh, just graciously said yes. So in a second, uh, Jay's going to come up and, and 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 give our sermon today. What God has hit on His heart, um, but I just want to share a little bit about uh, church planting. Uh, we are a church plant in 2015. Our family moved. Um, we moved here from Pennsylvania to start a church in this neighborhood. We started at Pawnee, and in the last couple of years we uh, got this space, this facility, um, uh, and. It It's been a great season to see God grow our community, um, starting in a Bible study in our home, um, and to what, what we get to experience now with multiple ministries for all age levels, and, and, and God's doing a cool thing here. But we want to continue to be a part of church planting. Uh, I have zero plans of moving to the Grand Canyon. Right? There's a lot of animals there, um, and, and they're fine. They're doing just fine. Right, Some of them are really, really fat. Right, They're, they're being fed very fine out there. But I would say this. For us, uh, we love what God's doing in this neighborhood, but we also love uh, people who desire to move to new neighborhoods to start new churches and at neighborhood church we want to always be a part of that pray for that facilitate that coach be a part of residencies here and uh jay was uh, in our in our and a six-month training with me in this last year it was phenomenal. We connected a ton in a lot of ways. We're going to still connect, but he's planting a church in Spring Hill. Uh, so before he comes up, um, I'm going to say a prayer for the sermon, invite him. And, and Jay, when you begin, if you would just, just share a little bit about what God's doing uh, with you and your timeline of what's happening in Spring Hill. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the work that you're doing in our neighborhood, but we also thank you for the work you're doing all around our city and all around our world. I do ask this morning, as your word is open and we study it, Father, I pray the Holy Spirit guides us and moves us to do what you would have us do, that we would be aligned to your will, and we know that that's the most uh, satisfying life that we could live. We do thank you for this church, but we thank you for the many churches that are being planted. And I do pray for Jay as he brings the message. It's in your name. Amen. So, Jay, coming up, and uh, whoa. <laughs> He's going to have all kind of cool powers and stuff.
1: (laughs) Good morning. If you love Jesus, say amen. 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 If you love your church, say hallelujah. hallelujah. Do you love this heat? Say heck no. Man, it's rough. The humidity kills my hair and makes it all frizzy. So, um, I am Jay Sloan, and my beautiful wife Rhonda's back there. Wave your hand, and my son and my uh, daughter-in-law are back there too. Um, and we are uh, planning a church in Spring Hill. God has called us there. Uh, we moved from uh, Sacramento, California. Uh, about a year and a half ago, but we were born and raised here in the Casey area. I graduated from Shawnee Mission North. My wife graduated from Shawnee Mission West, just down the street. Amen, yeah, Woo. Uh And... Uh, We actually started a church, I don't even know if Dave knows this, we planted a church in Sacramento, it was called Mission Neighborhood Church is what it was called, so uh, maybe that's kind of why our hearts are a little bit aligned. Well, it is, uh, we're there, we're building a team, we're hoping to launch in Easter of next year, and we're just building a team of many missionaries who want to come and help us do that, and we are excited to be here, I'm so thankful that Dave gave us the opportunity, Uh, to be here for me to preach and to share uh, what God is doing uh, in my life and in our heart and I hope uh, what God has to say to you will be an encouragement to you. Well if you do if you have a Bible uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Our sermon title this morning is going to be called Putting Our Wits Back in our witness, or another title you could use, is how living a Holy Spirit-filled life will give us power to change the world. To change the world. And that's kind of a lofty goal, to change the world. And I think that the more appropriate way to phrase that is that God wants you to change your world. The world you live in. Uh, you know you may not have a lot of impact in Africa or Peru or Afghanistan or the North Pole or wherever your, your influence is, is somewhat limited but God wants you to change the world you live in your sphere of influence your your bubble that you you live in your the relationships and the people you encounter. We all can have influence to the uttermost parts of the earth. But what I want to really encourage and challenge you today is to say, how can God use me to change my world? And we think, well, who cares? Does God really care about Overland Park, Kansas, or even the neighborhood in Overland? I live in Spring Hill, but my little neighborhood that I feel God has given me responsibility for is called um, Black Hawk Neighborhood. And so that's kind of my neighborhood I'm really trying to minister. Do you all live in a neighborhood? Does everybody live like in a yell out? Maybe in the development or neighborhood you live in, just yell it out. Yeah. So that's even like a little world within your city that that you have influence in. And sometimes we think that the world is so big that God in John chapter three verse sixteen it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life but when you think about the world to us the world seems really big when god came to reach the world like but think how small the world is in god's neighborhood the universe And so God saw this tiny little speck in the universe, a thousand times smaller than even Jupiter, which is a really tiny, insignificant planet, compared to all the billions of other planets and stars. He saw this one tiny little sphere, and he loved that place, and he gave himself to that tiny little dot that's so insignificant you couldn't even see it just in our galaxy. It's so small. So God has a heart for reaching something small and I believe that God whatever fill in the blank what your neighborhood is or that your street name is and you may say well does, does anybody really care about I live on South Jackson who cares about South Jackson compared to where I lived I lived in Sacramento for 10 years I lived in Las Vegas for four years where there's millions of people and then God brought me here but what he's teaching me is that God loves and cares for your street not just the world he cares for your neighbors Not just America. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. If it's up there, I'd love for all of us to read it together as best as we can out loud. Acts 1, 8. 1, 2, 3. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Amen. Thank you so much. And so today we're going to talk about how can we change the world. How do we do that as a a junior hire, as maybe a a, a golden ager, a senior citizen? How do I do that as a single mom? How do I do that as a business leader? How do I do those things? And of course, I'm only given uh, just a few minutes here to speak on this, and we'll get through as much of this as we can But I believe God has something for each and every one of you. We're just going to take this verse, verse 8, and that's what we're going to be talking about. This is our passage for today. And we're just going to break it down into four parts. Our first point is, the verse says, you will receive power. You will receive power. When you do anything, you need power. You need some kind of energy source, right? Your body needs energy. These lights need an energy source. The AC needs an energy source. I mean, you don't realize that as soon as the energy source is gone. My AC went out a couple of weeks ago. And man, within about five minutes, I, I was concerned. And I had visitors in. My daughter got married. And I had all these people in my house. And the AC goes out. So I had to go to Walmart and buy like three window units and put them all in. I mean, without a power source... You're very limited on your ability to do anything. And so, what this says, what God says, what Jesus said to his disciples, this verse is kind of the last words that he said to anybody while his feet were on this planet. As he was like elevating and ascending up, this is what he was saying to these disciples. Now, to us, it's not necessarily a requirement or a command, but it definitely is a recommendation. It is definitely something that's suggestive, that God wants us to do the similar thing, that we need power. Jesus died, he rose again, he spent 40 days with his disciples, and then he gives them this last little uh, discussion, this last little dissertation, encouraging him, and he says, Hey guys, I need you to go to Jerusalem, and I need you to wait for 10 days. That's about how long it was going to be till Pentecost. Ten days, and then the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And so as we talk this morning, I want to encourage you that sharing the gospel, being an evangelist, having influence in your city, your community, your country, your world, is not you're not always full throttle, just blow you know, bullhorn on the street corner, waving signs, handing out tracts. There's also a part of evangelism, a reaching and making a difference in your world is a lot about waiting but once you're done waiting and when God sets you up for that layup it's time to put it in the basket you need power to do that so um, these disciples they followed Jesus for three and a half years and they were kind of a hodgepodge bunch a -a ragamuffin band of people they even though with jesus for three and a half years as soon as jesus was gone they disbanded had zero influence went back to fishing went back to their pretty much reverted right back to the way they were before they were with jesus because just being with jesus isn't enough you have to be filled with the holy spirit and sometimes we minimize the power and significance of the holy spirit or we misdiagnose or, or, you know, address or give properties to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, not just a personality. He's not just a presence. He's a third member of the Trinity. He is God. And so when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are filled with the power of God. And every Christian who is legitimately a born-again believer in Jesus Christ is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so these disciples, one of them that spent three and a half years with Jesus, he killed himself. He betrayed Jesus. And the other 11 just abandoned him and left and just went, act like those three and a half years didn't exist. And so Jesus came back and he says, you guys need power. The Holy Spirit of promise. And so point one, you will receive power. What do we need power? Four things we need power for. We need power to communicate if you want to Influence and infiltrate, and do something significant and make a difference in your community and in your world. You need power to communicate. So here I have like a my concern. What is my concern? Is I want to make a difference. So if if you want to make a difference in your world, in your relationships, in your life, and the people around you, raise your hand. I might want to make sure if I'm talking to the right people. Okay, good. So you all want. We're all on the same page. We want to make a difference in this world. We want to leave our mark. We want to leave a legacy. We want to leave this planet and the people around us better than when we were here, after we're gone. But one thing you need to do is you need a power to communicate. And my concern is, the lost won't understand. I'm going to talk to someone who doesn't know Jesus, who's not in this church right now, um, and they're just not going to understand what I'm saying. I don't know how to communicate to them. And that's the same problem the 11 disciples had, is they were just kind of, didn't know what to say, didn't know how to communicate. And you need the Holy Spirit's power to do that. In Acts chapter two, verse four, it says, this is after Jesus rose from the grave and rose and ascended to be at the right hand of the Father. He says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to communicate in a supernatural way. And I'm not talking about uh, uh, speaking some unknown or not understandable language. I'm talking about the ability to communicate in a way that other people understand. Tongues here was the ability for them to speak in a language that they did not know, but the people who who didn't understand that language understood it. So if I was English, I speak English but uh, someone from France would understand what I was saying. And because Jesus had a desire to reach people, and he did it in a supernatural way. Now, some of us are so introverted and quiet and shy and bashful uh, that we would need the Holy Spirit's power to speak up and say something, to have boldness and verbally communicate to someone. Don't ever let your uh, introvertedness be an excuse for to be inert, to be not active. Don't just say, I'm shy, so I can't say anything. No, you need the Holy Spirit's power to do that. Second, we need the power to share God's word. I have a concern. I have friends that don't know Jesus. I don't think the lost, they don't want to hear, and that's a legitimate excuse. But Acts 2, verse 14, after Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit... He went out and he stood with the eleven and lifted up his voice and addressed the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ears to my words. Pretty much what he did is he went up and he preached the gospel and thousands of people got saved and gave their lives to Jesus. You know what he was doing just a couple of weeks before? He was too scared to even say anything or proclaim or share God's word to a little girl after Jesus was crucified. So, with the Holy Spirit's power, can turn a coward into somebody who's confident, and that's what some of us need. But do you have the ability to share God's word? Some of us may need the Holy Spirit's power to do that. I am naturally an introverted kind of guy. I'm not. Uh, I'm not an expressive outward. I'd rather just be in the back right corner over there, playing on my phone, reading a book, and not talking to anybody. That's just kind of my personality. Just like, you know, I love people, but I don't really like them. It's kind of like that. Uh, But, you know, I'm kind of that way in my natural state. But filled with the Holy Spirit's power, I'm able to do what I'm doing right now, only with God's Holy Spirit. And so God is calling some of you to share the gospel, to share the truth of God's word, to get up and preach to your neighborhood, to your schools, to your community, to your family. And God may call you to do that and you say, I can't do that, Lord. Of course you can't. Not in your own power because you're extremely limited. You're, the, you're like a triple A battery. And when you need like a car battery. And the Holy Spirit is that battery to give you the power that, for what you need. Third point, we need power to see God's work supernaturally. I have a concern. The lost won't believe me and that is a valid reason for not sharing Your faith with someone is, they're not going to believe me. Well, Stephen, Acts chapter 6, verse 8, after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, after he had experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, he was full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Now, I'm not talking about you're going to come out and perform miracles and turn water into blood, and you're going to go and control locusts, and you're going to go and heal people. and You may or may not do that. I don't know. God can do that, and he might. This is not what I'm talking about necessarily in our daily routine of life, in our rhythm. I'm talking about life-changing miracles in your life. Has God done miracles in your life? Maybe he saved your life. Maybe he rescued you. Are you here? Do you have like a a miraculous story? Like God turned you from darkness into light? Like God miraculously transformed you or your marriage or your family or your children or your situation or your finances? Does anybody have a miracle that they can proclaim? Anybody raise your hand. If God has done something miraculous, and, and you know maybe he hasn't, but he will. And I'm telling you, you need to be able to proclaim that and share that. Don't be ashamed to share the miraculous things that God has done in your life, the supernatural things that God has done and is doing. I talk to people all the time, and they always like to share with me like what God has done in their life and the supernatural things that is happening. And they're not all mystic and weird and odd. Most of them are simple. Like, hey, you know, my, I, I used to hate my dad, but, but God's worked in my heart, and now I love him. And that's kind of our going into our next point. Or you know what? I was in a gutter. I was an addict. But now God rescued me and brought me out of that. And now I'm sitting in this room on these nice cushy chairs taking notes about Jesus in the Bible. That's a miracle. Those are the kind of miracles that God is really interested in, the life-changing miracles. The healings and all that stuff, they're great, but they're temporal. You can be healed all you want, but eventually you're going to die. No matter how many times God heals you. Because everybody dies. And so here's the thing. Those are short-term miracles. The physical ones. The ones that have real power are the spiritual ones. Our next point is we need power to love unconditionally. And this is probably the most prevalent one for us. My concern, I want to reach people around me and make a difference in my neighbors, and my community. But I don't think they like me. And that may be true. They may not like you. And maybe they have valid reasons to do that. That's not really the issue is like, I'm not going to tell them about Jesus because they don't like me. That's, that's kind of how it always has been. It, the issue is, can I tell them about Jesus because I love them? And that's hard to love people who don't love you. Uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 17, there was a man named Ananias. And God asked him, And after he was a Christian and filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, I need you to go love someone. And who is it, Lord? He says, Lord, who do you want me to love? Well, there's this guy that has imprisoned and killed and murdered a lot of your friends in the church. His name is Saul. I need you to go, and I need you to go and baptize him, tell him about me, and heal him. Uh, And he's like, don't you know, God, that he's an enemy of the church? Yeah, I know that. But I need you to go love him. And you know what he did? It's exactly what he did. Verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered into the house and laying his hands on him, Saul, he said, Brother Saul, I love that, never even met him before. He knew he was an enemy of the church. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the what? Holy Spirit. And you know what happens after Ananias after that? Nobody knows because you never hear about him again that was his role was to love the unlovable and he doubted and he was fearful but he did it in the power of the holy spirit so if you don't share your faith share your share the word of god you don't share the love of god with people the problem may not be because you're scared the problem may be you just don't have you're, you're just not relying on the holy spirit cuz it's not about you necessarily It's about how plugged in are you to the power of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. And so to make a difference, you need to be able to understand that the power of the Holy Spirit is so essential to what we do. Our second point is the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Holy Spirit has always used people to further his task. Uh, For sake of time, I won't read all of these verses, but the Holy Spirit isn't a New Testament idea. The Holy Spirit has been working in people's lives all throughout time since creation. And creativity, the, the second verse of the Bible mentions the Holy Spirit. The earth was up without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit of God had a creative part. You may say, I don't know how to reach people. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. God has the ultimate creative power to be able to connect you he is so creative in connecting you with just the right people at just the right time we call them divine appointments but you know who makes those appointments the holy spirit of god does because he's so creative and innovative another person that was filled with the holy spirit you may not think of this is samson the holy spirit came upon him then the spirit of the lord rushed upon him and although he had nothing in his hand he tore the lion in pieces you know, you ever uh, see those Christian children's coloring books and it has Samson in there and he's like looks like the rock on steroids and he's like super ripped. You know what? That's actually not accurate. He didn't because it wasn't because he was really muscular he was able to do what he did. That's kind of an inaccuracy. Had nothing to do with his bodybuilding abilities uh, or his protein intake uh, or, or if he was juicing or not. He was juiced by the Holy Spirit. That's why he was able to do what he did. He didn't look like a huge pro wrestler. He probably looked like Pastor Dave. And so, you know, and here's the thing. That's because it wasn't his power. It wasn't like Samson was really, really, really strong. And that's why he was able to kill and conquer entire armies by himself. It was the power of the Holy Spirit on him. So you may say, I'm not strong enough or have enough energy or, or, or enough uh, of fill in the blank. With the Holy Spirit's power, he can give you the energy and the ability to do incredible things. Gideon is another person when uh, he was told by God to go and conquer uh, God's enemies. And there were over hundreds of thousands of them. And then God kept whittling down Gideon's army to 300. Have you heard that story before? And, uh, you know, the 300. He, uh, he, and he only had 300 people to conquer 100,000 people. And you may think, man, that's because he was so courageous and brave. He was like Rambo and Arnold and all of them put together. He did it because he was such a a military strategist. He was great. No, Judges 634, but the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. And he sounded the trumpet. It had nothing to do with his uh, uh, military instincts or his ability to, to know what to do and how to do it. Jesus, his Holy Spirit purpose... The spirit, he comes and he presents his ministry in Luke chapter 4. He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And he goes on and he declares his purpose to proclaim good news to the poor, liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and free the oppressed. Jesus didn't just do what he did in his own humanness, in his own ability. He relied on the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, us. The Holy Spirit, freedom. And they even sing a song. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Spirit of the Lord. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. <coughs> that one? Okay. And where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. You know what your power is, your ability as a Christian uh, in this disp- dispensation of time in the New Testament? Your freedom. Everybody else is enslaved by the spirit of darkness and the God of this world. You know what you are, you are free. You are no longer bound to sin and death. If you are a believer, born again, Jesus follower, you are no longer bound and entangled by the snares and chains of this world. What the Bible says is that your power to the lost world is your freedom. I don't need drugs, I don't need alcohol, I don't need sex, I don't need money. You're saying I don't need any of those entanglements to make me happy. Because those are just chains. Those are just all that is, is a prison cell. I don't need any other artificial thing. I don't need a person. I don't need a relationship. I don't need a spouse. I don't need my kids. I don't need my car. I don't need anything to make me happy and to give me joy. All I need is Jesus, and that's it. But you know what? The rest of the world, they need all of those things. And you know what? The Bible says it's never enough. That's a prison. And so will you come along with your freedom, your spirit given freedom that's powerful that's more powerful than anything else than you could possibly give them is i have a way to set you free from the law of sin and death and then three how much time do i have pastor like one minute okay and so can i have a couple more minutes Okay, uh, three, nobody said yes, so, <laughs> and, but it, it's, it, hey, it's nice and cool in here, um, and just enjoy that. It says, a holy, and so you will be my witnesses. It's Marvin Gaye said, can I get a witness? You ever heard that song? Look it up on YouTube. It's a really good song. And so can I get a witness? He says, you need the Holy Spirit power to do what? to be a witness. What is a witness? Well, it's somebody that sees something, that experienced something, and they share it with someone else. But sometimes we don't understand. Uh, Our witness is kind of weak, actually. Witness evidence is is somewhat limited. Even in the Bible, it talks about witnesses. It says you need like two or three witnesses to really confirm something and give it legitimacy, um, because just one person can make up anything. Uh, But you know, like, but it's really difficult sometimes to know, what do I witness? What do I share? Okay, I'm with my friend at the library at school. Oh, man, I'm at the break room at work. What do I, what do I say? God set me up. I feel like I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm trusting him. I'm ready to go. He wants me to be a witness. What do I say? You can, here's, here's an outline here. This might help you a little bit. You can, uh, what am I to be a witness of? Witness of what you have seen God do in your life. You're a a pretty legitimate witness to what's happened to you. How has God changed your life? You're a witness. You can give testimony to that. And that will hold up in court because no one can challenge what God has done in your life, where you were and who you are now. A witness of what you know about God and his word. Don't know what to say? Man, just try to remember what you've read in God's word. You say, man, I read about Jesus and he died for me. I read about he gave me freedom. That's what I'm going to tell you. And people say, why should I? Why in the world should I give my life to Jesus? Because he'll give you freedom because I read that. I heard that at church. And third, witness of what you've heard in sermons, other people's stories, other believer's stories, or in your time in prayer, and or a witness of what you feel in your heart, spirit, and mind about Jesus. So you can be a witness of what you've seen, known, heard, or feel. Share that with people. Most people aren't going to challenge you on those things because that's your witness, eyewitness testimony. That's your heart witness testimony. And so, but the thing is, sometimes we try to be a witness of other things that don't matter like oh i'm going to talk about i'm going to in politics or sports or science or, or or my my cultural views but those things don't really matter cuz they change and they evolve and they they rotate and you know uh it, it, those things are unstable and insignificant and don't matter like you would tell me like I love, you love your church. Who here, like, loves your church? Anybody here? Everybody's your hand, just make Pastor Dave happy. Okay, so everybody, so you love your church, right? And if I was to say, okay, you love your church, how many disabled parking spots do you have? You know the answer? You obviously know your church, you love your church, and it's seven. And so, I counted twice. And so, uh, but here's the thing, how many times you've been to this church? Maybe a lot of you, lots of times, oh, what color is the mailbox out there, church mailbox? What color is it? White. White. But here's the thing. We like to think, oh, that, that's an important information, and it's not. Don't get boggled down and distracted by questions and issues and debates that don't matter because they have no significance. You say, I love my church, and I say, well, what color is the mailbox? And you say brown, and I say, you thought it was brown. It's white. You don't love your church. That's an insignificant witness. That doesn't matter. But you can say I love my church because it's transformed my life. It's transformed my family. It, my life is different and changed. It's rescued my marriage. And I came here and I have bound relationships and friends that will give me security and strength and pray for me. That's an important witness. Don't get distracted by the details. feel like I have to know everything to be a good witness. No, you don't. You just got to share what you know. Who cares about what you don't? And our last point, decide why you're on this earth. Decide why you're on this earth. And so this is something that's always motivated me. Uh, but two-thirds of God's name is go. Isn't that cool. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has given, has been given to me. In verse 19, go. Go. And that's why, you know, God's called me to go to Spring Hill. That's where he's called me to go and to start a church. But that's no less significant than God calling you to go to Shawnee Mission West High School and love your fellow students and share the word of God with them or to pray for them. Or it doesn't really it's no different than you uh, reading your Bible at Garmin and during break or inviting someone to church, uh, that, that your neighbor when they're mowing the grass, that all of our ministries are the same because they're led by the Spirit of God. And so here's what Jesus said. Uh, go back to the verse. It says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we'll end on this. Is you, the very first word of that verse is you, and I'm big into alliteration and stuff. It's I'm weird that way. But the first is you need to be a witness and go to your casa. I'm half Hispanic, so I'm, you know, I can it's I'm in, I can use multiple languages. But casa means what? House. Your house, your home. Your home. First you need to be a witness in your home. Your kids and your wife and your husband and your relatives, do they know that you love Jesus? You're not perfect. And man, family is tough, man. They're the hardest on you. Am I right? You screw up once and they question your salvation and think you don't know God. And you know, just because you didn't make your bed. I mean, it's going to be really weird sometimes. But they got to know that there's something different about you. That you love God. Then your Jerusalem, which is your, your, com- your community. Jesus has sent you to get involved in your neighborhood. Your Judea, your city. Jesus has sent you to influence Overland Park. And the Kansas City area, your Samaria, which is your country, Jesus has sent you to be insightful about what's going on in the U.S. and and federally what's going on. You may not know everything, but at least you need to be aware of the issues that are going on and how God is moving and how Satan is moving in your country. And then the ends of the earth, which is your continents, Jesus has sent you to invest in world missions. So if you could just bow your head, um, close your eyes. I just want you to spend, a, Just I'm going to just say a couple things. And I want you to really meditate on where God has you. I don't know where you're at. I'm. I, you may never see me again. I'm here uh, just as a guest speaker. And, and I don't want to be rude or inconsiderate to you. But I get kind of like one shot, one opportunity to do this. Um, and, and so I, I want to move in the moment. And, and so one is... Uh, Do do you know Jesus? Jesus has come, is currently here, and he's coming again. Uh, This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't a a tall tale. This isn't a legend. This isn't something that is made up, make-believe. It's not a crutch for the masses. Our faith in Jesus Christ is the truth. And that's hard to say because we like to have multiple truths. But what we believe in God's word is the truth. And I want you to know that. And do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? He died, he rose again, and he sent his Holy Spirit to empower you, enable you to live on this earth for a short while until you get to spend eternity in heaven. Eternity is a reality. Now, is there anybody here that maybe you say, you know what, I've never really thought about it, but I believe God is speaking to me this morning and he wants me to, to give my life to him. Is there anybody here that would say that? I want you to raise your hand. Don't, don't care about anybody else. Don't worry about anybody else. If the Holy Spirit of God is prompting you to say, you know, God has led me to this moment to surrender my life to him. I want you to raise your hand really loud, really high. Anybody? Amen. Now, is there anybody here would say, you know what? I have family, friends, neighbors, strangers that I've yet to meet that don't know Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand. If you know of someone that doesn't know Jesus, is not close to him, raise your hand. Okay, amen. Charles Spurgeon said you're either a missionary or you're an imposter. So now, if you're a believer, fantastic. That's step one. now we all have a mission everybody that raised their hand you have a mission and you have a goal to pray for those people to wait for the holy spirit to opportunity for you to boldly declare and proclaim your love for him don't force it but wait and pray and be ready and prepared when god gives you that opportunity and so I want to take a minute. I want to pray. I want you to pray. I love the thing with the confession. That's so cool that you guys do that. That's so needed. I want, but I want to take like 30 seconds for you to pray for those people you raised your hand for. If you raise your hand for some, maybe it's a neighbor. You don't even know their name. Man, I, got, I see that guy mowing his grass. Or I see that woman checking her mail. Or there's this cashier at Aldi's I always end up seeing. Pray for them. God knows their name. I want you to take like 30 seconds. And I'm going to pr- do the same for my neighbors and friends and family. And I want you to pray, God, use me to reach them. Amen? Go ahead. Lord Jesus, thank you so much uh, just for all that you've done in our lives. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the spirit of God. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for our freedom, not just our, our patriotic freedom, but thank you for the spiritual freedom we have. We're no longer bound by the spirit of fear, God. you've helped, But help us to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, if there are things that are holding us back, that are hindering us, that are not helping us, Lord, speak to us today. Help us to start putting our nose and our Bibles and our knees on the floor and start making a difference in our lives and in our world. We have such a short time on this planet. And that's why you leave us here. That's your mission for us is to spread the gospel through your love and through your words and through your truth. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.